Well, good morning, church. It's good to see you guys. Uh, for those of you watching via the live stream, uh, we know you're with us in spirit. We can't wait to see you again. Um, but good morning, guys. As, as Kevin mentioned a second ago, today is Orphan Care Sunday. Um, this is a day when I get to celebrate the fact that, that as an adopted son of God, he made it so real to Haley and me that he allowed the two of us actually to bring a daughter into our home last December when we adopted our daughter Marley. Um, so I'm excited to speak on this topic this morning. Um, in just a minute, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 1. In just a second, we're going to begin in chapter or, or verse 3. Um, as I was preparing this week to, to discuss, to think about what I wanted to say, um, God kept bringing Revelations 12, 11 to my heart. It's a passage that, that I've looked to many times in my life, and it, it tells us that God, um, and it tells us that Christ's followers will overcome the enemy by two things, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. So it's those two things that I really do hope to bring forth this morning. I hope to show you the truth of what God has done in adopting us through his son, Jesus Christ. And then I hope to share my story and my testimony that he's given me in adopting my daughter, Marley. At the end, I'll close by challenging us all to consider how you and your family can get involved in caring for widows and orphans in your midst. But let's begin this morning by looking at God's word. So if you would, let's stand together in the honor of reading God's word. We'll, we'll look at uh, verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. God's word says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he has richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time, to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. In him you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. Guys, let's pray together. Father, what an honor it is this morning to get to come and to proclaim from your word the amazing truth of, of what you have done in adopting us as your children. God, and then to consider as a body how we can respond to what you've done for us. So Lord, I pray this morning that um, my words would be few and your words would be many. God, I pray for moms and dads and, and kids in this service this morning to hear from you clearly your heart for them and how you love them and how you've lavished your grace upon them and then, and then maybe cause them to question what, what that means for them in response. 
So, Father, we invite you to this time. We ask you to be with us, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat. So, guys, when it comes to topics like adoption and foster care, abortion, uh, I could start this morning by just listing a ton of stats and figures of, of all the uh, difficulties that our society faces with these topics. And, and I'm not going to say that those things are unimportant. In fact, I'll, I'll give some stats at the end of this message. But I just believe that it's, imp- that it's more important for us, first and foremost, to start by looking at um, God's word and understand God's heart for adoption. Because, you see, God views adoption differently than the world around us does. And so we should view adoption differently than the world around us does. It's not first and foremost about a horizontal relationship between a set of parents and a child. But it's between, um, it's, it's a vertical relationship between God and his children. In fact, James teaches us that caring for widows and orphans is proof of a pure and, and uh, undefiled religion. So guys, we don't enter into these situations, the, the messiness and the brokenness of these situations, because the world tells us it's what we're supposed to do. We do it because we understand this vertical relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father, the King of Kings, the King of the universe. So because we have been cared for by a loving Father, we respond by caring for orphans around us. Now, this morning, I believe that this passage that we've read shows us two major truths about adoption. First, it shows us that adoption is identity changing. And second, it shows us that adoption is costly. So let's look together at this first truth. What do I mean when I say adoption is identity changing? I don't know if you noticed, but as we read this passage, Paul uses the phrase in him or in Christ or something along those in that vein 10 times in these 12 verses. So, so Paul is repeatedly reminding us that our entire identity as Christ followers is wrapped up in Christ. As Christians, our identity has completely changed. It's no longer I who live, guys, but Christ who lives in, us, in me, in us. Look at verse 3 with me. It says, Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. So this morning, guys, if you're in Christ, the God of the universe, the one who calls the stars by name, who caused mountains to rise up from the earth, who causes the waves to crash on the ocean shores, this God has declared you to have the identity of one who has been blessed with every spiritual blessing and it's in Christ in fact verses 4 and 5 tell us that God chose us in Christ before the world was ever formed and that he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters so think about it guys before God created anything before the words of Genesis 1 1 in the beginning before that the creator of all things looked at you and he knew you And he desired you, and he had an adoptive plan in place to rescue you and to call you his son and his daughter in Jesus Christ. So if you are his son, you have been given the very nature of Jesus Christ. What an incredible truth, guys. Despite our former wickedness and sinful rebellion against the God of the universe, when he looks at you and me, God the Father sees his son. I don't have time this morning to get into all the theological positions on the topic of, uh, or the doctrine of predestination, but verses 4 and 5 make it clear. I just want to read the words and let the words speak for themselves. God chose you and me 
in Christ before the foundation of the world. And he predestined you and me to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself. Is that not amazing? I know some of you are hurting this morning. If we consider what 2020 has been, this is obviously a year unlike any we've ever experienced probably. May not ever experience anything quite like this year again. So as you're hurting, as you come here with the baggage of this year, if, if, I, if I say nothing else this morning, if you hear nothing else from me, what, what I want you to hear is this. This morning, if you are in Christ church, he chose you and he loves you. Amen. But guys, the news gets better. He, he, he doesn't just love you as if that's not enough. But God the Father adopted you. He looked at you and he looked at me and he said, that one's mine. That's my son. That's my daughter. I love them. Look at verses 5 and 6 real fast. It says, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Guys, God adopted you and he adopted me for his pleasure and for his praise. Your adoption and my adoption was about God. When we realize who God is and who we are, and that he chose us, our only natural response is going to be to worship him, right? I mean, when we understand our wickedness, our sinfulness, and his unbelievable holiness... As Christ followers, our only natural response is just to to raise our hands in worship and say, God, you're amazing. And we don't do that out of duty. We praise God because we are his adopted and dearly loved children. And we simply just, we can't help it. That's what children do is they just love being around their parents. So church, because we believe these things to be true about who God is, We get the privilege of joining him and glorifying the one who is most worthy of his praise. His son, Jesus. Have you guys ever considered the reality that adoption, uh, or sorry, have you ever considered that God who deserves all glory and praise actually initiated our adoption? Think about it. When when Haley and I made the decision that we were going to adopt our child, We initiated that process. We were the ones that had to go and sign the paperwork. We were the ones that had to go and get our fingerprints taken and meet with our agency and all the all the red tape that you have to go through in our in our legal system. We initiated that process. But it didn't begin with a little baby coming and knocking on our door with her suitcase in hand and and demanding that we let her into our lives, guys. Haley and I said we want to bring a child into our home. And so we initiated that adoption process. But our process, our ability to initiate that process was was not just because we wanted to do that. It was because it mirrored the fact that God initiated the process of adopting us. 1 John 4.19 says this. It says, we love because God first loved us. So in the same way, in the same vein, we adopt because God first adopted us. It's always about the vertical relationship before the horizontal relationship. Let's look at what Galatians 4 has to say about our new adoption identity. It says, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, 
so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. Is this not an amazing identity we've been given, guys? To be called an heir of God? The second thing I want us to consider about adoption this morning is this. Adoption is costly. There's really no easy way to sugarcoat this. Adoption is very expensive. The average adoption right now is somewhere between twenty and $40,000. Um, so financially, it's, it's a burden. And, and it's not just a financial cost, but there's also a huge emotional cost to adoption. Everybody in the story is, is emotionally impacted. From the adoptive family to the birth family, to the child or children themselves, our friends, our families, everybody involved, our church family, it weighs a heavy toll on a lot of us. However, in willingly accepting these costs, we get to better understand the heart of our great father. So let's look, what did our adoption cost our father? Look at verse seven. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So the penalty for our sin was punishable by separation from the creator of the universe. However, being rich in mercy, the father paid the debt we owed by giving us the most precious thing he could possibly give us, his only son. And in paying for our new adoption identity, God has declared us redeemed and forgiven. The price of our adoption was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. So I'm just gonna continue to say what an amazing identity we've been given. And what an amazing cost God paid to adopt us. In fact, Isaiah 53 says it this way. It says, he allowed his son to be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. But it also says, guys, this is the weird thing. It says that he did this for what purpose? It, he did this because it pleased him to do these things. Why in the world did it please God to see his only son put to death on a Roman torture device? Because in allowing Christ to die, God was adopting for himself all of those who would be called his children. This is what I think verse 9 means when it says that it was according to his good pleasure that he made known to us the mystery of his will. So brothers and sisters, your adoption brought the God of the universe pleasure and praise. Not only did our adoption cost Jesus his life, but look what verses 11 and 12 tell us. It says, in him... We have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. So through God's adoption of us as sons, Jesus has agreed to share his inheritance with us, guys. Because we are in Christ, he's allowed us access to everything that's his. He didn't have to leave heaven and come and die for us, but he did and now we have received an inheritance. The, the text does not say someday in the future we will receive an inheritance. It says, what does it say? It says that right now we have received an inheritance. So while we wait for Christ's return, let's take confidence that he has sealed us with the Holy Spirit as verses 13 and 14 tells us. This is a cool concept that, that Paul's hint, uh, addressing here. In, in ancient Greek and Roman culture, 
when a letter was sent from the king or the emperor, he would often seal that letter with a, with a piece of, uh, by dipping his ring in wax and putting it on the, on the uh, letter itself. And so what this meant is that that letter was being sent under the very authority of the king. So what Paul is telling us in this passage is that the king of kings and the Lord of lords, God himself, has placed that seal on you and me by his authority, by giving us his Holy Spirit. This verse really hit home with me this week. Um, As I was studying and thinking and preparing, I was just doing the daily task of, you know, opening the mail, and it just so happened that this week, in the mail I received Marley's decree of adoption. And it was stamped with the official seal of the District Court of Brazos County. So this, this seal and this letter officially declared that Marley Noel is my daughter. She's now legally a Smith. Her identity will forever be Marley Noel Smith. I guess until some hairy-legged boy comes and takes her away from me. And guys, just as this seal has declared that Marley is my daughter, our Father has declared that you and I can be his children for all of eternity by sealing us with the Holy Spirit. So I guess the question with this is, what do we do with this information? If we believe that God paid the price for our adoption and that he has changed our identity from children of wrath to children of light, then don't you think that this should bring some kind of a response about in us? But I guess the question is, what is that response? Um, I think that there are probably a million different ways we as believers can, can obey the Lord in this and, and considering our role in adoption and orphan care. But I want to share with you my story. Um, and instead of me using my words, uh, Pastor Barry has actually lovingly put together a video of, of my family's story. So I want to show that video to you guys real fast, if you'll look at the screen. I remember being just feeling drawn towards adoption as a teenager, just feeling like my heart was stirred towards adoption and just really feeling like at a really young age that God might want that to be part of of my story and how children came to my family. Um, And I think that Brad knew that about me in college. Um, And so it was, I think adoption was always a possibility for us, something we always talked about. It was always on our mind, but never something that I felt was the right time. Um, But when we lost our our son at 17 weeks, um, it began a journey, I think, for both of us trying to figure out, all right, the Lord placed a fourth child on our hearts, and he's taken this one from us, and we don't feel like we're supposed to pursue another pregnancy for Haley. So I think it was finally me, for the first time, initiating the conversation, um, saying, hey, I think I'm ready to do this. I know you've been ready probably for eight years or more, but it was finally time where the Lord just said, Brad, I think it's, it's time for you guys to pursue this. So we pursued New Life because of the fact that it was a Christian agency that 
that really had a heart for loving not only the adoptive family and the adoptee, but also the birth family. And that, that just became such a huge passion for Haley and me that we would potentially be adopting a family in this. New Life is about 37 years old. We started in 1986. So our purpose and our vision is to minister to women in unplanned pregnancies, helping them make the best life-affirming decisions that they can um, make for their and their children. So we started the process in December of 2018 and I think it was March of 2019 when our profile was shown to the first mom um, and our profile I think got shown a little bit more than most profiles because you fill out a questionnaire as far as it, it addresses race, it addresses drug use, it addresses everything of what you're willing basically to say yes to. Um, and we really felt like the Lord wanted us to say yes to almost everything. So in our work with birth parents, especially birth mothers, um, they get to call us and contact us at any time in their pregnancy. Um, for Jessica, in her case, she uh, first talked to us when she was just pregnant, finding out she was pregnant and was very concerned about what to do about this pregnancy. It was December 2018, so um, we counseled with her on the phone several times. She was living with a boyfriend. She um, had a pretty stable place to stay, but she knew she needed a lot more resources to be able to parent a child than what she currently had. So we kind of talked through all of that, but there was a period of time when um, she just went silent. And that's not very unusual for our clients. They are dealing with a lot of pressure and the, the, just the weight of an unplanned pregnancy sometimes is a lot to bear. So even talking about it is hard and difficult for them. So there's no pressure at New Life. We just want to make sure they're taken care of. But um, she called us again at our office. We were surprised to hear from her. Um, and she said that her baby girl was about four months old. And she knew that this was not what she was supposed to be doing and it was difficult for her and her mother and her boyfriend and her were both on, were all three on board for the adoption plan and she wanted to move forward. I got the call on Tuesday, December 17th um, of 2019. Rachel from New Life called me and she said, hey, do you remember um, the email we sent you in July asking about the mom who was about to have a little girl um, if we could show your profile. And honestly, I didn't. At that point, our profile seemed like it had been shown so many times, it was all running together for me. Um, and so I said, sure. And she said, well, she's back in contact with New Life. She has a little girl. Um, she is four and a half months old, and she's thinking that she still wants to place her for adoption. So I remember Haley calling me and saying, hey, we got a call from New Life that there's a, a little baby girl that was born and, and her mom is considering making an adoption plan and, and I said yeah absolutely we're supposed to say yes to this scenario. Part of our story that's also a little atypical is Jessica actually didn't pick our profile. She told the agency that she did not want to pick a family, that they she wanted them to pick for her. Um, she specifically asked for a family who were Christians who had other kids 
and who um, were adventurous. Those were her three descriptions. <laughs> and New Life thought that that described us. And so they actually picked us. Um, and their entire staff prayed about it and landed, that landed on the place that we were the family for Marley. The day of placement came and she said she was ready, that she would be coming to the office. And of course, not being able to see her all of this time, I wasn't really sure this was actually going to happen um, because it's not unusual that they fail to show up to appointments or they have a change of mind again. So it's just, we live moment to moment. So we wanted to be prepared for her if she were to be here and we wanted to have the family prepared for her. Um, Sandy literally texted us and said, be in the New Life parking lot in 45 minutes. And I really think that was the first time that week where we thought, we're getting a baby today. Like, we're gonna come home with a baby. And, um, but she came to the office and she brought her boyfriend and she just brought Marley and she brought some of Marley's favorite things. And it was a very difficult time as it always is in the process of signing her paperwork and helping her to make sure that she understood what she was doing and that she felt comfortable with her decision and was thinking through it long term. So she signed paperwork and then she, I brought Brad and Haley in from the parking lot, told them to come in and, and meet their baby girl and their birth mom who they're gonna love on. And for both of us, it was just really an immediate love for her. And she just felt like she was ours from, num from day one, you know? I mean, it couldn't have been any different had I grown her in my belly. Um, and so that was such a gift. I mean, I think she was in our home 24 hours and we thought, I can't believe how much we love her. We love her so much. Can't even the This is Marley. Marley Will Smith. What do you think about her? They did an amazing job and um, just to be a witness between two families that are coming together under very difficult circumstances is such a blessing and um, just an amazing God opportunity that we get to do here in ministry and so Brad and Haley loved on her and um, just told her how much they loved her, not just Marley, but her, and that they were here for her for life. Wise people always say that adoption is um, born out of brokenness, and I think that that is so true. And I feel like, I feel like the Lord broke us so we could enter into this brokenness, so we could think about Marley's birth mom without judgment and think about her and pray for her and realize that she is a broken, hurting person. And I feel like that has allowed us to enter into a really messy process and that's full of instability um, and hurt and brokenness and just trust that like, that that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He, op he came down and he entered into brokenness so that we could then enter into brokenness and love people. So I would just encourage that no matter where you are in life, God has made it clear in His Word that we are all to be committed 
to loving the widows and the orphans in, in our community. So continue to pray that whatever desire he's placed on your heart, that he would make it a reality. And I hope that as we sit here next year on Orphan Care Sunday, that, that there's another family or two that has made the decision to pursue foster care or adoption, maybe because of our story, but more importantly because the gospel has borne fruit in the life of the people at Redeemer Church. Barry, thank you. Loved it. Um, the last thing, guys, I want to do this morning is stand up here and, and share my story with you and try to convince you that, that your story has to match mine. It, it clearly does not. There are a million ways that we can care about the things that God cares about, and he's not calling every family to, to adopt a child. But I, but, but I do think that God and, and the gospel of Jesus Christ ask of us to use all of our gifts and all of our abilities not to ignore his heart for, for orphans and widows. We can't sit on the sideline on this topic and act like it doesn't exist, guys. So I want to just give a couple of stats real fast on, on abortion and adoption, and I want to help to show you guys that, that this is a very real problem and that we as the church need to do something about it. So let's look at some stats on abortion. 50% of unplanned pregnancies and an abortion. It's one out of every two. One out of every four American women will have an abortion by the age of 45. There are over 850,000 abortions annually across our country, with 55,000 of them in Texas, guys, and 15,000 right here in Harris County. That's 41 babies every day in our backyard. Harris County leads the state in abortions with over 25% of the state's abortions happening right here. And each year, 20% of the pregnancies in Harris County end in abortion. That's one out of every five pregnancies in this county. So what do we do with this information, guys? I think most of us would say that, that we're pro-life, that we're against abortion. I want you to hear a quote, though, from, from a former U.S. senator or, or uh, former U.S. Representative Barney Frank. Um, it said, in speaking about those who support pro-life issues, he said, they believe that life begins at conception but ends at birth. Guys, I pray that's not true of us. But man, that's hard to hear. You know, he's saying that we do a great job of making it known what we believe about abortion, that we think it's murder. But, but what are we actually doing to offer these scared women hope? What are we doing to show them that we'll be there for them, not, not just during their pregnancy, but after, that we'll take care of their children? What are we doing to show them that it's not just unborn babies that matter to us, but the, the babies that are born matter to us as well? Guys, we simply have to get more involved in orphan care. I want to listen to these stats on, on adoption to show one possible uh, option for you guys. Only 2% of unplanned pregnancies end in adoption. 50%, as I said earlier, end in abortion, and 48% end in parenting, sometimes uh, just because the mom feels as though they have nothing else to do. 
There are currently 440,000 children in this country that are in foster care right now, with more than 100,000 of them waiting to be adopted. There are 6,800 children waiting to be adopted in Texas, and almost 1,000 of them in our backyard right here in Harris County. Up to 50% of the kids who age out of foster care system are homeless, incarcerated, deceased, or pregnant within the first two years. So my question, guys, is you hear these stats, and that should break our hearts that we as the church haven't come alongside and helped. And so 50% of these kids that are aging out are facing life's toughest circumstances. As I said, my objective wasn't to guilt you into action, but, but I believe that if God has adopted you as his son or his daughter, I want you to feel the weight of God's heart for adoption this morning. He gave up his son to adopt you guys. And now he's offering you the opportunity as his disciples to join him in celebrating the things that he celebrates. So again, how do we do that? How do we take Ephesians 1 that we studied this morning and how do we apply that to this very real orphan crisis that our world faces? I think there are three responses that I want to give this morning for this question. First, we pray. Second, we obey. And third, we give. So I say we pray. What do, what do we pray for? Um, I think it depends on, on where you are with the Lord. This morning, if you've never understood that God has invited you to be adopted as his son or his daughter because Christ died and rose again for you, I would say to you that today is the day you pray and you cry out to God and you acknowledge that you need to be saved. Friend, God delights in redeeming his children. So pray to him and ask him to be your father. He will. Feel free to come and find me or one of the other pastors and talk about what it means to be adopted by the king. And we'd happily take time to share that with you. Secondly, if you're already in Christ this morning, if you recognize that you've been adopted as his son or daughter, then I would say you begin by praying to God and asking him to show you how you and your family can get involved in this and if you need to, guys, as we go to God in prayer so often, the first thing we have to do is just confess that we are sinful and that we have sinful attitudes and behaviors when it comes to the topic of adoption and abortion. That we haven't thought rightly about these women and the circumstances that they face. And we've maybe looked down upon these children born out of these tough situations. So confess those things. And then... I would say pray to God and ask him to help you as you obey him, however he leads you. Because, guys, it may be something that you don't want to do. I mean, that's true of anything in life. There are often times where God makes it clear that we're supposed to do something that in our flesh we say, man, I don't want to do that. But he may. And I, and I, I would ask you to pray, God, make me open to whatever it is you want from my family. I'd also encourage you to pray for the agencies in our area. As you came in this morning and as you leave, there, there are some agencies that are going to be out here in the hallway. Talk to them. Find out about what they do and how they're involved in orphan care. And pray for them. The men and women that work in these agencies, guys, face a tough, dark world. And they are regularly told that the job that they do doesn't care for women. That they're not looking out for the rights of women. I mean, this is the world we live in, guys. So pray for them. 
I'd also say that your family could begin to regularly pray for families like mine and the other families in our church that have made a decision to adopt. Or, or those that are fostering. Or those that are providing respite care. And last, I would, I would ask that you pray that our church would be known as a church that has a heart for adoption and orphan care. Secondly, after we've prayed, we obey. As the Lord places a desire on our hearts, guys, I ask that you would just respond in obedience, whatever that looks like. And it means potentially that on the way home this, this morning or this afternoon, you grab your spouse and you say, hey, we need to talk. There's been something that the Lord's placed on my heart and we need to talk about it. And maybe, maybe it's five years from now, like, like you saw in my story. Haley and I have talked about this for years before God made it a reality, but talk to your spouse. You know, you can even uh, stop by the tables and just learn more. I think that's a great starting point. Learn about these agencies. Learn about what they do. Learn about how they care for widows and orphans. Guys, it, it may mean you have to use your finances to help somebody else fund an adoption. As I said, it's expensive. And my family was blessed with, with funds from family members and friends. So use your funds wisely, not just selfishly on yourself. I want to talk to the kids. I know I see a few kids in the room right now. I want to speak to you guys just for a second as well. Because I think oftentimes, kids, we can think that the, ser the sermon on, on things like this really only apply to mom and dad. But... God has made it clear, if you are a Christ follower, if you believe Jesus is your Savior, then he wants you to have a heart for orphans as well. And so what can you do is you can also pray, and you can also ask your mom and dad to help you find families in our church that have made these adoption decisions. And, and just say, hey, mom and dad, can we go hang out with them? Can we get to know them? Parents, same for you. You can ask if you can come hang out with us. We, we won't bite, I promise. But what if you're not called to bring a child into your home? Does that mean that, that you get to be off the hook on this, that, that this topic doesn't mean anything to you? I'm going to tell you that it absolutely doesn't mean that, guys. You're not exempt, and we still have to obey what God wants us to do. And, and I think it's clear in his word that God cares for orphans and widows, so we have to also. Finally, after we've prayed and we've decided to obey what God has asked us to do, the third thing I, I want to recommend this morning is we give. Guys, we're Americans. You have been given a lot. The fact that you're here this morning with clothes on your back and probably a full belly with a roof over your head, you probably drove here this morning in a car. We have a lot. And so you not, not only do you have money, but guys, you have time and talent that God has given you. So ask God, how can you use those time, those, those things like your money, your time, your talents, how can you use those things to care for orphans? If you need a few ideas, I'm going to put a couple up on the screen here. Um, let's just look at some of those. You can help someone, as I said, fund an adoption. Maybe it's, maybe it's not for yourself, but maybe somebody else needs your, your finances. I know we've got a lot of, of you in this church that love to cook. You can provide a meal for a family who's just received a child. You can donate your time and talents and resources to the Tomball Pregnancy Center, Moses' Closet, maternity homes, or homes for kids who've aged out of the foster care system. Simply just giving your time to a family 
Guys, adoption and foster care, these are, these are weighty things that can be hard at times. So sometimes we just need a phone call. We just need you to tell us you love us. Um, maybe, maybe ask if you can help watch our kids for just a little while. You can become certified to provide respite care for a foster family or offer to babysit for a family that has had a placement. I know Dale and Christina Guger have, have uh, been highlighted, in, in, I think maybe two years ago, on the fact that they do respite care, just providing babysitting for, for a family that has chosen to foster. There, there are special uh, court provisions around that, so they've been certified as respite providers. You could become a, a court-appointed special advocate, a CASA worker, who is legally appointed by the government to look out for the interest of children in foster care. Guys, you know the talents that God has given you. You know what he's blessed you with. You know what you naturally like to do. So I would just submit whatever it is that God has blessed you with, use that gift to serve. And finally, I want to invite you all to come to one of our orphan care meetings. We meet once a month. Um, in fact, our next one's coming up on December 3rd. So I would just invite you, come out and learn who we are. What, what, what is this orphan care ministry at Redeemer Church all about? How can I get involved in, in caring for widows and orphans right here in Tomball and, and Magnolia and Cypress and the Woodlands? Come out and, and, and check it out. Um, maybe it's not something that you personally feel like you're supposed to adopt or foster, but, but I promise it'll be in, in, uh, informative. So Come. And regardless of what God asks you to do in response to my message this morning, guys, I want to pray that you leave here knowing that you're an adopted child of God and that he wants you to join him in caring for what he cares about for widows and orphans in our midst. So I, I pray as we close that you'll take that call seriously to consider how God would have you and your family get involved in, in this problem that our society faces. Let's pray together. God, I praise you for this morning. I praise you for your word. God, for the reality that we, as your children, have been adopted. And that no longer do we have to be afraid of what our future holds, because we know that your word is clear, that when you call us your son or your daughter, it's forever. So God, help us this morning to heed your word and to seek to understand how we can apply it in our lives. How we can care for the, the weak and the marginalized in our midst. For widows, for orphans. How we can support families that are giving their lives to support widows and orphans. God, make Redeemer Church a place where we care about doctrinal beliefs. We care about proclaiming your word. But we also care about taking care of widows and orphans, God. We love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.